Hi friends, today we had some uh, audio problems. We had a microphone recording in the background during sections of the sermon, so I apologize if there is a bit of difficulty hearing. Um, just appreciate how wonderful all of our small children are because uh, that microphone was recording some of our children's church in the background. So I appreciate your patience with that and we'll make sure it doesn't happen again. Thanks. Okay, you may recall last week, so uh, I've been doing a, this is a two-part kind of message and I almost started the two-part message before Easter and then I realized there'd be a few weeks where I wouldn't be able to finish it. So I held off. So I have now had uh, last week where I talked about what it means for me when I say that I am Orthodox. Uh, and I don't mean like Greek Orthodox because that's an altogether different thing again. Because uh, there was a point in, um, what, in like 1050. I can't remember, 56 or something like that, where the Eastern Orthodox and the Holy Roman Catholic Church had what was called the Great Schism. They got cranky at each other. Mostly it was just arrogant people who couldn't agree. And then they kind of came up with theological reasons for why they should hate each other and excommunicate each other. One of them was like whether or not the bread and the communion was leavened. Um, like it was real dumb things. Anyways, because as it turns out, people aren't good at getting along. So when I talk about being Orthodox, I don't mean I am part of the Eastern part of that split, not the Western part. When I talk about being Orthodox, I meant I identify with the ancient creeds of the church that were used to determine what Orthodoxy was for the last 1600 years. So it's like, are you, uh, if you know, for, for lack of a better term, a real Christian? Uh, well, they made that decision and they wrote down what was important in things like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. And, and I agree with those statements. So by uh, any definition that has been relevant for over a thousand years, I hold to an Orthodox Christian faith. The, the challenge of that, though, is, is that a lot of people assume that by being Orthodox, it also means that I hold to more conservative worldviews. And I'll just start out by saying, in, in our church, we don't demand allegiance to a creed. We don't demand that people all agree. There are conservative people in our community. There are people who hold like far left-wing chandelier swinging, you know, bra burning like ideas. Uh, and then there are more moderate, which is most of us, we're kind of more in the middle-ish with... I want to talk about though what it means for me to be progressive. And I'm talking about what it means for me. It might mean something altogether different for you. It absolutely means something altogether different for most conservatives. Uh, and I definitely probably wouldn't find a lot of friends amongst the other people who say that they are progressive. So it's a crap word for me to use. I don't have a better word to describe where I fit in that progressive conservative spectrum. So I want to just try and explain that a little bit today. But I wanted to start with that idea that I am very much orthodox. Uh, those creedal statements talk about what we believe uh, about Jesus and his divinity and his death and resurrection and, and the Holy Spirit and, and, you know, God the Father. And those are important, fundamental, basic beliefs that I think are true. I think that your uh, opinion about the timeline of creation or your view on eschatology or hell or gay marriage or even the mechanics and the mysteries of atonement or Calvinism or Armenianism or uh, uh, particular hermeneutical methods, even your view of the environment or egalitarianism um, or your, uh, uh, your politics, all of these things are interesting and they are important in many ways, but you don't get to kick anyone out of the family of Christ because of it, even if you really want to. 
Even if you really, really would love to say, no, actually, you're just so irritating and I think you're so ignorant you can't fit, you don't get to do it. That's not how family works. So I am orthodox in my theological convictions, but I also am somewhat progressive. Uh, and I don't know, have you ever had a conversation, especially because we're a smaller church that's not part of like a mainstream denomination, and somehow it comes up in conversation with, with someone, they say, well, oh, you go to church, what, where do you go to church? And, and you already feel dumb when you say, well, I go to the White House church because thanks to Trump, it sounds like a supremacist group instead of a church that meets in a White House. Um, so then you have to kind of explain it. So you find yourself following it up with something like, and for me, I normally start with, well, I'm Anabaptist. Uh, which is, uh, I, I was uh, speaking uh, with Jared McKenna on a call with CJ the other day, and we were talking about um, Anabaptism, and he said, well, he's Anabaptist, and I was like, that's amazing. Because um, I am, what I would say was neo-Anabaptist. I don't have any historical connection to Anabaptism, and I don't hold to all of the ideas of Anabaptism, but I kind of ish do. So I am a new Anabaptist. Uh, I love that. I went straight to our website and changed what I wrote about myself. Um, uh, that was super fun. So the, the Anabaptists were, there is a baby. Oh, it doesn't bother me. I'm just letting people know at home that you're not hurting the child. <laughs> she's, all right, she's upset that I'm, I'm not in some other club. That is an amazing noise, Elodie. Okay, so the Anabaptists were part, and this is, where, this is the conversation I have to try and explain myself, and it's not a simple conversation. The Anabaptists were part of what we call the Radical Reformation. So what we had what was what people call the, um, the Reformation, or I call the Regular Reformation, the um, kind of B-grade Reformation, where they, you know, Martin Luther nailed a bunch of stuff to a wall and he said, well, you shouldn't believe these dumb things, you silly Catholics. Uh, but, and then they kind of made the Bible available to a people in their own language and people read it. And I love the Radical Reformation because they said, wow, reading the Bible is amazing. We think that we should do even more. We should do what it says. So there was a group that we considered to be highly radical because they actually followed the words of Jesus. They looked at the Sermon on the Mount as the, the pinnacle of ethical and theological teaching instead of saying, no, 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 uh, we'll, we'll use Paul to interpret Jesus. They said, Jesus does not require anyone else to talk for him. And whilst everything else is good, we start with Jesus and we work our way out from there. And, and they, they believed what Jesus said was so important that when Jesus said to love your enemies, they agreed with that. So the Anabaptists were pacifists who refused to take up arms and join the state-sanctioned, church-sanctioned armies uh, in, in, in warfare. And the Anabaptists were killed in the tens and hundreds of thousands by the Protestants and by the Catholics, which is a gross, awful part of Christian history for those groups and a wonderful witness and testimony to the faithfulness of the Anabaptists. So I identify with them. Um, but the Anabaptists ended up becoming the Amish communities and the Brethren community. So then when I'm explaining where I fit on this spectrum, I have to say, but I'm not Amish. <laughs> Despite the beard, I just need to shave off my, 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 um, my moustache, which is the, the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists and the Amish, rather, they shaved off the moustache because it was something that soldiers would grow big moustaches like dandies, and it was a sign of, of um, 
of pride to have a big moustache. It was like a, a showpiece. Uh, so they, the Anabaptists uh, and the Amish in particular, said, well, we'll get rid of our moustaches because we're not that vain. And now it's become part of their identity. Uh, and a lot of those brethren communities said, we're going to get rid of all colours because colours, are, are, you know, they, they make us proud. Uh, and they became these drab, boring, you see, because there are things in, in, in history about the Anabaptists that aren't good. Don't even look up the Munster Rebellion. That was a, an altogether not very Anabaptist thing that was awful. Um, see, because no group has it perfect. No group has it just right. But when I identify with history and say, where do I really find my connection? I say, I am Anabapt-ish. But that does nothing to explain to people nowadays really where I sit. Uh, it just leaves me explaining that we're not a cult, even though we meet in a big house and there's 20 people here that live in the house. And it gets weirder and weirder the more I talk. So eventually I say something like, we're a pretty regular Christian church. We just meet in a big house. We are generally left-leaning, not entirely, but generally so. But none of these things describe my own personal faith very well. Because normally when the more you kind of identify with the left-leaning things, the more, especially the more right someone is, the more they start to assume things about your theology. And you end up not being orthodox, you end up being something altogether different. The problem for me with saying that I am progressive is of those preconceived ideas. And I, I wish that I had a better term. So I'm going to give you half an hour of explaining instead of a single word. For some, to say that I am Christian and progressive would mean something like, this is the caricature that people have, that I don't believe in the Bible, that I don't believe uh, that people sin, uh, that there is no absolute truth. Uh, being progressive, people uh, will think that it means you uh, like killing babies. Because uh, if you have a progressive worldview, it means that you must be pro-abortion, uh, which, which is such a dumb, dumb idea. No one is pro-abortion. Even people who are pro-life uh, or people who are pro-choice, no one is pro-abortion. That's a dumb, dumb thing to say, but people assume that. People think that it means that I want to encourage children to question their gender and their identity. They assume that I'm against free speech and I am pro-cancel culture. They think at worst I am some kind of Marxist playing identity politics or victim politics is how they would paint that. And at best, I'm just an ignorant sheep doing what the media tells me to. And these are ridiculous caricatures and straw man arguments. But that's what People, if you watch certain very extreme media and listen to talking heads, that's what they will say about people like me. Now, it's possible that there are people out there that I just described, that, and that's a true picture of them. I've never met them. And I don't believe those things. I absolutely believe in absolute truths. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but for me, when I say that I am progressive... It, it starts, and I want to read from you from Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. It starts like this. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, I want the goodness of heaven on earth. I want the justice of heaven on earth. I want all the things that God desires to be done on earth. And I don't know about you, but they're not being done right now. 
If we want to conserve exactly what we have and not move forward, then I would, I would argue that what we have is kind of crap. What we have is broken. What we have is awful. What we have is things going wrong. We have a culture that is uh, falling apart and we have uh, people's lives being destroyed. And, and I want to move beyond that to something that looks more like the kingdom of God. I want to be part of a church that is actively seeking to pursue the kingdom of God with intentional love and actions. I want to be part of a global movement of faith that is progressing towards the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm pretty sure that even most conservative Christians would identify with that type of progressive uh, belief. Being progressive does not mean that my worldview has no foundation. Uh, as I shared last week, I hold to very deep orthodox convictions of faith and theology. I believe that God is love and that this is perfectly reflected in the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the inerrant, infallible word of God. And I think that he is the definitive example of God's nature and his character and the basis for how we should interpret the Bible and how we should understand God. I believe that the Bible points to Jesus. And I believe that the Bible is God-breathed. I believe that it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. You see, I believe about the Bible, what the Bible says about itself, not something that a political movement of Christians invented in the 70s to try and decide who was in and who was out. I do not believe in a kingdom where we spend all of our time talking about who is in and who is out on the basis of minutia of doctrine. I do believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Spirit is personal and alive. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as expressed in the early church, that they are true and good and useful and alive in the church today. I believe that all people are created in the image of God and that our fundamental identity is one of God's blessing, not one of the curse. I believe that we were born with God's blessing as our fundamental part of our identity. I also believe in a Christian sexual ethic that is loving and covenantal and monogamous. I believe we have a responsibility to care for those who are destitute and mourning and impoverished or persecuted. I think that when we look at the scriptures, when we look at God uh, all through the scripture, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he is a bias for the poor, for the alien and for the stranger. And that we thus should also have that bias. And... I believe that we should be kind. So much of Christianity is, in history has just not been kind. As a simple basic measure of our faith, I think we should be kind. For me, ad adopting the moniker of progressive, even though it's not a perfect um, way to describe my view, it means that I'm seeking a society and a church that wants to progress to more, from less to more. I want more love. I want more joy. I want more peace. I want more patience. I want more kindness, more goodness. I want more self-control. I could do with more of that. I want more faithfulness. I want more equality. I think the church has done damage to the image of God by not treating people with the God-given blessing and equality that he gave us. I want more freedom for people. I want more community. I want to be more inclusive. I want to draw lines that are around everyone, not just lines that are around us that excludes them. 
I want to live in a way that is sustainable and care for the environment as stewards of the earth. Like, like in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were given the task of gardeners to care for the earth, not to pillage and rape the soil and the minerals for our own political or uh, material wealth. I don't think we should destroy the environment and just trust that God will make it okay. I think that we should steward the environment as good servants and gardeners. I want more of the kind of justice that God brings. And that is not just a justice that brings vengeance and punishment. It's a justice that makes wrong things right because there are so many wrong things. I want justice that comforts those who are mourning and justice that brings about righteous change and reconciliation. I want more understanding and more reconciliation. I want more kindness. This is what I say when I want more progress. From less to more. From a broken earth to a new creation. I do not believe that our country was more Christian in the past simply because more people attended church. I don't think conserving what we had is the solution to the world's problems. Maintaining the status quo is not the mandate of the church. And I feel nervous when people refuse to critically analyze or consider what they have been given and ask themselves, is this actually true? Or is this simply what I was given? Uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, he was a, a writer. He said, tradition is the democracy of the dead. Uh, and I'm not sure if he was trying to say we should give them a vote or not. Uh, but a more modern kind of reading of this is simply to say that tradition is peer pressure from dead people. And I don't think the dead have always given us good things. History is full of examples where the church defended theology and worldviews that were both unbiblical, but also inhumane and barbaric. If we were to, to, to conserve what we were given in church history, then there are many things there that we would not want to keep. You would know things like the Crusades. So beginning in the 11th century, the Pope said, you know what? If you go and fight for us and kill Jewish people and kill Muslims, then you will go to heaven. Great theology there that meant hundreds of thousands of Muslims and Jews were killed because Christians thought that that's how you got saved. That's a really interesting salvation prayer, that one. Martin Luther, I already talked about this, 16th century um, uh, Protestant Reformation. He was a rabid anti-Semite. He hated the Jews. Wrote lots of awful things about them. The first Anabaptists, I mentioned earlier, were killed by the Catholics and by the Protestants. So the Christians killed the Christians. They were drawing lines theologically around who was in and who was out. And there was some of them who theologically thought that killing people who disagreed with you was okay. And some of them thought it wasn't. I'll give you one guess as to which group got killed. The Canaanite invasion of the Old Testament has been repainted by many, many, many groups as a means of justifying the extermination and colonization of other people groups. So in America, when, when, the, uh, when they turned up and they said, we are God's chosen people, we are going to start God's chosen nation, we should kill all the American Indians because they are like the barbaric Canaanites. Even in our own Australian history, the narrative of the Canaanite invasion was used to justify the wholesale slaughter and genocide of our First Nations people. Christians supported... Um, both in practice and in theology, um, slavery for hundreds of years. They justified it using scripture. 
So saying to me that we need to conserve what we had in the past in the face of being able to actually look at history seems incredibly ignorant. It seems incredibly self-serving for what is in our congregation largely a group of people who have benefited, benefited from all of these atrocities historically. We are not the minorities that have ended up with less. We are the white majority that have ended up with more. I can't, I haven't even begun to mention the church's theology and practice regarding women in history or our practice regarding war and violence that even today exists. The idea that there are holy, righteous Christian nations bringing justice to other nations by killing them to steal their resources, mind you. I haven't even begun to talk about our prosperity doctrines or our, um, our nationalism or our whiteness, uh, or our, uh, our ideas around sex sexuality and purity culture, our destruction of the environment. All of these things are utterly damaging to the identity of the church who should reflect the image of God, but also just damaging to people, the real honest, horrible damage that is done to people's lives. The amount of support groups that exist for people who have left Christendom because of the damage that's been done to them because of theology that just isn't kind. This list barely even scratches the surface of the bad theology that Christians have borne that has failed to honour God and failed to honour the mandate of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So I could never, as much as I struggle with a lot of the ideas associated with progressivism, I could never identify as conservative because I don't want to conserve lots of things in church history or lots of things in our cultural history. We have made plenty of mistakes and moving forward seems like a good idea to me. I'm not saying that we should ignore history. I'm not saying that we should forget history. I'm saying we should learn from it and move forward and progress. There are many beautiful things and godly things that have been handed down to us. And whilst I disagree with Martin Luther's uh, theology uh, when it comes to the Jewish nation, I don't disagree with his theology when it comes to salvation by faith. There are beautiful things that have been handed down to us by many, many Christians in history. But we also need to look critically at these things and say, is it all good? We should not perpetuate systems or structures that have or continue to oppress people. And we should actively reject theologies that dehumanize, oppress, subjugate, marginalize, or hurt people. God is love. Before God was holy and separate, before he made the, the us mob, when it was just God, triune, in fellowship, before everything, he was love. He didn't become holy and set apart until he made us. So our worldview and our picture of God must be one of love. And if our theology is not one of love, and if our practice is not one of love, it is not of God. I do not believe that tradition or national boundaries or gender or wealth are more important than our shared humanity as the image bearers of God. In Galatians uh, 3.28, it just says simply, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There are no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Stop drawing stupid divisions over everything you can possibly draw a division over so that you can say who's better than who. That's not the kingdom of God.
And because I have the great privilege of being able to see back over history, I have the great privilege of time and education and wealth and affluence and comfort to be able to study these things, I have to say the church has not always been right. And I can see how utterly self-righteous and insensitive it is to make absolute moral proclamations about every issue. I recognize that there are nuances in the real world that require me to listen, seek understanding, and to avoid passing judgment. There is no one rule fits all. It's not that simple. If it was that simple, then there wouldn't be accommodation after accommodation after accommodation all through Scripture where God says, I am going to bend to meet you. I am going to stoop to meet you where you are at because I love you. So we must also be prepared to stoop like Christ so that we can meet people where they are at. The complexity of real life forces me to see people as people and not simply as theological problems with simple answers. It forces me to see people as people and not simply as faceless souls to be saved like notches in my belt of truth. The conservative narrative has a very large microphone in our community that I feel um, I need to make very clear does not represent me. I wish I had better words to describe what it means for me to say I'm progressive. But right now, I just simply don't. But I want to serve Jesus, not tradition. And I believe that all people deserve to be treated with respect and to be seen as the image bearers of God. I see people as beloved children of God. I just want to finish with a a Bible verse from the book of Matthew, chapter 22. And this is from verse 36 to verse 40. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is good theology.